Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Dear listeners, many of us spend most of the year hard at work, whether on the job or at school, and many of us look back on a lifetime of hard work. And when we have the opportunity for a time of vacation, we look forward to it eagerly. But why are we working so hard? Is it all about our goals and accomplishments? Is it about building our little kingdoms? Are we man-centered in our approach to life and work? As we contemplate these questions, it's good for us to consider what happened at the Tower of Babel long ago, as recorded in the Bible in Genesis 11, 1-9. This was some time after the flood in Noah's day. After the flood, the Lord had given promises to Noah and his descendants. Never again would the Lord strike down every living creature, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night would not cease. Mankind would have supremacy over beasts, birds, creeping creatures, and fish. These promises from the Lord meant that mankind could live confidently under the Lord's blessing. The Lord had also given a command. He had told mankind to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Part of filling the earth was that they were to spread out over all the earth. But what did mankind do after some time had passed? We read, And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They began to spread out, but then they stopped doing that. They decided to stay together and settle in one place. Why did this happen? This indicates that they wanted to establish their own kingdom and no longer had an eye for God's kingdom. They wanted to follow their own insights, chart their own course in life, and live for themselves. They were motivated partly by fear. As they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. They were afraid of being dispersed over the whole earth. They had found a sheltered place between the mountains, a plain, which was rich in resources conducive to building a civilization there. They felt safe there. For them it was about survival. Because they didn't believe the Lord's promises given to Noah, they disobeyed the Lord's command given to Noah. Since God was no longer the focus of their lives, they had no one and nothing to hold on to beyond themselves, and they were thrust upon their own resourcefulness. It also meant that a common faith in God no longer united them with one another, and so they felt the need to create a substitute unity by sticking together and building up a civilization. They eagerly, decisively, and forcefully encouraged one another in this enterprise. Come on, let's do this. We can do this. And their common language facilitated their collective effort. The tower was intended as a rallying point, something people could see from far and wide and run to for safety. It calls to mind the words of Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. 
They had the tower, but not the Lord. In effect, the Tower of Babel is representative of their desire to reach upward, build their own lives, and find their own safety and deliverance. The city and tower are representative of fallen mankind's desire to be at the center of the universe, displacing God, and as such represent fallen mankind's rebellion against God. As they themselves put it, let us make a name for ourselves. It was, in essence, a repeat of the sin at the time of the fall in paradise, where mankind wanted to be a god unto themselves. Here's the thing. Building the city and the tower was about trying to build our lives from the earth upward, rather than looking to God to provide for our lives from above and to send it down to us. This spirit has been evident in many of the great empires of history. It was certainly evident in the Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar. This is even stated vividly in the Bible when it portrays Nebuchadnezzar surveying his accomplishments and boastfully saying in Daniel chapter 4, verse 30, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? This spirit also existed in the Roman Empire, the Napoleonic Empire, the Third Reich, and the Soviet Union. It also exists in our present Western world, where man is placed at the pinnacle of society and celebrates his accomplishments as if he is the be-all and end-all. If you are a Christian, don't think that you are immune from this. This self-centered spirit is also present in the hearts of Christians because we are sinful people, and we easily get so caught up in the things of this life that we begin to lose focus of the kingdom of God and start to build our own little personal kingdoms. Christians need to remember that this runs counter to the words of our Savior in the Sermon on the Mount. When speaking about material things, Jesus Christ said in Matthew 6, verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Yet, so often we Christians forget these words of Christ. So often our main concern is with material things at the expense of God's kingdom. We worry about material things and seek material things as the goal of our lives. But the causes of God's kingdom ought to be our priorities as we use our time, energy, abilities, and money. Genesis 11 tells us that the Lord came down to see what mankind was doing at Babel. There could even be irony in this way of speaking. God had to come down from heaven to see the work of puny man. This emphasizes the smallness of man's activity in the sight of the exalted God. But the fact that God came down to see indicates especially that God was about to intervene. God was going to prevent worse from happening. As Genesis 11 verse 6 says, And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. This ungodly and anti-godly initiative would only increase over time. Therefore, God confused their language at Babel by introducing many languages so that they couldn't all understand each other anymore. 
The result was that they abandoned the building project and dispersed over all the earth. Here's the thing. By confusing their language, God slowed the momentum of this ungodly development and created time for him to work out his plan for the coming of Christ the Savior. The confusion at Babel safeguarded the coming of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That was God's grace. God came down at Babel so that one day the Son of God could come down at Bethlehem as the Savior of this fallen world. At Babel, God came down with many words for man, thereby confusing man's language. At Bethlehem, God came down with his one word, the Son of God incarnate, the Word made flesh. John 1 verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is the Savior who has redeemed a people for himself. Christ gathers, defends, and preserves a church out of the whole human race in the unity of the true faith. Because Christ defends and preserves his church, Christians don't have to be afraid and may feel safe and secure with Christ. People built that city and tower long ago because they were afraid. Christians don't have to be afraid. Moreover, Christians of all nations and languages are made one people by being united in Christ by true faith. They are one people by virtue of their unity in the Christian faith. At Babel, fallen man tried to establish false unity, but in Christ, Christians experience true unity. Pentecost makes clear that this gospel of Jesus Christ is going to the whole world. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down upon believers, and they began to speak the gospel of Christ in different languages so that everyone could understand. Thus, the division caused at Babel was bridged. In Ephesians chapter 4, 4 through 6, this is how the Apostle Paul speaks about the unity in Christ. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. When the new earth prepared by God comes, it will mean the fall of Babylon, the world city, the city of man. In Revelation 18, verse 2, we read of an angel calling out about that day, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Until that day arrives, or believers die and go to be with their Savior, we are called to live and work to the praise and glory of God. We are not supposed to put ourselves at the center of the universe and build our own little personal kingdoms. Remember these words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Thank you and have a good week.